Over the last 20 years, my responsibilities beyond our church have required a lot of travel, most of it in airplanes. So I'm more than accustomed to airports and airplanes and check-in counters and security and air travel. And I literally have, believe it or not, a favorite seat on every single type of aircraft that Air Canada flies. That's my seat. If I get it, I'm happy. If not, I'm wanting somebody else to get sick and cancel their ticket. <laughs> now, I've never been a status-seeking person, except when it comes to airlines, because status on airlines gets you better tickets and seats and extra time to get seated on board and get your luggage stowed before the unwashed masses crowd in among you, all around you with their elephant-sized carry-ons. I've had more than one stewardess uh, on her boarding list look at my million-mile status and say, you've flown a lot more than I have. That's happened multiple times. Now, Beverly has rarely traveled with me, but she has always been part of every trip because no matter where I am or what I'm doing, she is constantly praying for me. I'm forever grateful for that. And she prays for me, including when I am on airplanes. She might not impress you as very high tech, but she has flight tracking, weather tracking apps all over her phone that keep her informed up to the minute on what I may be encountering. So many times, in fact, most times, I'll call her when I land somewhere and she will say, quote, that must have been a bumpy flight because the wind is so much and the weather is this and my answer is usually either I was sleeping or I didn't notice and furthermore why should two of us worry anyway she can worry I'm just going to enjoy the trip and so that's why over many years now I have affectionately nicknamed her prayer traffic control because she is for me and I'm grateful the unsung heroes of the airline industry are the air traffic controllers. They allow pilots to do their job safely and effectively. And year after year, their occupation lists among the most stressful jobs in the world. As you can imagine, they have a very high rate of burnout because they have to be constantly vigilant at all times. One mid-air mistake could cause a crash and result in hundreds of deaths. And even a minor accident between planes on the ground can result in major losses to an airline because these are multi-million dollar machines they're guiding around. Flight plans and takeoffs and landings and turbulence and ground control and airspace and altitude, speed, weather conditions, emergencies, the communication between air traffic control and the pilot is nearly constant. Air traffic controllers even have their own lingo. Deadhead is an off-duty crew member who's just catching a ride. Roger means information received and Wilco means will comply. Pan Pan announces a problem and Mayday declares an emergency. They don't say nine because it could be mistaken for no in the German language, so they say niner. And they have their own phonetic alphabet because so many letters sound the same. So it's not ABC, it's Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, etc. Benny de Merchant, our wonderful missionary pilot in Brazil for many years, 
He used to say that the call letters on his Cessna float plane, P-T-L-E-E, Papa Tango Lima Echo Echo, he used to say those letters stand, stood for praise the Lord, evangelize everywhere. And he did it. Pilots and air traffic controllers even used the term souls on board to refer to the total number of passengers and crews on their aircraft. So perhaps prayer traffic control is a good way to think about our own prayer lives. Because after all, the communication between us and God, it needs to be consistent. The interference from the enemy is nearly constant. The dangers in the supernatural and the natural realms are very real. Daily distractions are everywhere. Souls are impacted by our prayers. And the consequences can be eternal. If we're going to connect the heavenly realm with this earthly realm, we have to be constantly vigilant in prayer, just like an air traffic controller is vigilant on their job. And that's why we choose at CCC to begin every year with a tangible reminder, a season of sacrifice. You are the prayer traffic controller over your life. Your prayer life demands constant vigilance, alertness, attention, diligence, watchfulness. If it's going to survive the distractions of daily life and the cynicism of our culture and the formalism of dead religion and the attacks of the enemy. Now, brothers and sisters, as apostolics, we come from a long line of prayer warriors. People who impacted the previous generation and birthed our generation with prayer. Our elders in this church still love to talk about all-night prayer meetings and prayer rooms and prayer revivals. But please hear me tonight. None of that matters if we don't pray in our generation. The COVID-19 restrictions we've been through over the last two years have sadly revealed many casual Christians who are so spiritually lazy that they now prefer to interact with church 100% of the time only from the comfort of their couch. That is the real pandemic we are facing in the last of the last days and the end of the end times. I'm not here to pick on them. My spirit grieves for them. And all of that brings us to our season of sacrifice. It's a yearly reminder that we should do better and we could do more when it comes to prayer. And so, yes, we know. Pastor knows. The team knows. It's an in-your-face, slightly offensive highly confrontational call to action, but it only is heard by those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. Many, in fact most in our church, will simply tune out the pastors during this season that lasts for three weeks. Many, in fact most in our church, will dream up a boatload of excuses as to why they can't participate at all. Many, in fact, most in our church 
will just carry on with their regular routine. But for those of us who hunger and thirst after God's presence and power, our spirit rises to the challenge to pray and to fast and to show the Lord Jesus that we don't want to do 2022 without him. We don't want to do it without him in our prayer meetings, without him in our services, without him in our singing, such as it may be with all these crazy restrictions. We don't want to do it without him in our preaching, and we don't want to do it without him in our living. Lord Jesus, we need you in the year of our Lord, 2022, and let it be a year of our Lord. Our spirit rises together to overcome spiritual lethargy and apathy and to pull down the strongholds in our lives and pray down revival in our midst. And we dare to believe that if God's people who are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and seek his face. We dare to believe it. He will hear from heaven. He will hear from heaven. I said he will hear from heaven. And so tonight, I will probably mess you up. Because I speak to you, this series is probably really in reverse. Because we're starting with the worst part of it first but I want to speak to you tonight about a very important element of your prayer life, and that is sacrifice. You heard it on Sunday night from Pastor Matt. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. You heard it from Pastor Jack as he called us to push away from the table and push into the prayer closet. Because the sacrifice that gets God's attention, like no other is the sacrifice of fasting. Fasting is restraining your flesh to release your spirit. It's telling the old man no so you can tell that new man yes. Fasting is like using your physical body to put an exclamation mark at the end of your prayer. Fasting kills the flesh and breaks spiritual chains like no other sacrificial endeavor. There is no substitute for it if you personally want to experience the deep things of God. Fasting is the sacrifice that heaven rewards the most, hell fears the most, and humans hate the most. Let that sink into your spirit for a moment and realize that if you'll do what your flesh doesn't want to do, God will reward you with spiritual things. And hell fears the man or woman of God that gets serious about this kind of sacrifice. I know I'm preaching a little bit uphill. 
It's not your resistance. You people love the word. But the devil doesn't like us to talk about fasting because hell fears a church that will kill the flesh and release the spirit. Hell fears the church that says no matter what, we're going to go after God until we see some answers around here and until we see some miracles around here and until we see altars covered with people repenting and filled with people receiving the Holy Ghost. You say, but restrictions, restrictions. I'm so tired of the restriction excuse. Let the government do whatever they want. We'll do our best to cooperate. We want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. But it doesn't matter to God whether you're seated back there or standing over there or laying up there or in here. It doesn't matter to God. He can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost at any spot in this sanctuary or any other spot in this city. He can heal your body while you kneel by your bedside or while you're driving your car. God doesn't look at your location. He looks at the attitude and the hunger of your spirit. We often rush to the conclusion of Abraham's divine appointment on Mount Moriah. We love that story. And we quickly move to the conclusion when God provided a lamb for a burnt offering. But stop to consider for a moment that that same story, it had a different perspective if you think about it from Isaac's point of view. Genesis 22. On the way up the mountain, Isaac speaks to Abraham, his father, and he says, Father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, we've got fire and we've got wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham looks back at him, and I understand the spirit of prophecy comes on him, and he says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And I know that's prophetic, and it's talking about Calvary, and I love that, and that would preach a lesson all by itself. But notice, so they continue, both of them, up the mountain. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, no lamb yet. And he laid the wood in order, no lamb yet. And he bound Isaac, his son, no lamb yet. And he laid him upon the altar, upon the wood, no lamb yet. No answer yet, no miracle yet. Up until the very moment that God supernaturally intervened, here's how it went. Dad... Where's the sacrifice? Son, you're the sacrifice. Isaac was the sacrifice up until that moment when God intervened. Isaac didn't know what God was going to do. Even Abraham didn't know what God was going to do. Up until that moment, the answer to the question, where is the sacrifice, was this. You are the sacrifice. And brothers and sisters, it's the very same today. God is seeking a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is me and you. If we want to see God meet us miraculously, there's only one way forward, and that is through the path of sacrifice. Paul wrote, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, because 
That is your reasonable service. No, we're not fasting because we get extra points with God. We're not fasting because somebody will see that or hear about it and think we are super spiritual. We fast for only one reason, and that is because we know the path to deeper depths and higher heights in God is through sacrifice. And so we call this great church, pastor calls this team and this congregation to a season of sacrifice we ignore it at our peril because we enter a year when the world is in such chaos and trauma that we don't even know what it's going to look like two or three months from now we have no idea the last two years has proved that to us but if we will get a hold of God it doesn't matter what the devil does or what the culture does or what the politicians do or what the nations do it doesn't matter if the church gets in their place takes hold of their heritage and fasts and prays. The Bible says that Hannah and David and Jehoshaphat and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther and Daniel, they all fasted. The nation of Israel fasted regularly. The prophets called them to fasting in times of trouble and seasons of consecration. The entire city of Nineveh fasted. Fasting is mentioned about 30 times in the New Testament. The apostle Paul said he fasted often. The Gentiles would never have been reached had the church not gone to prayer and fasting. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus each fasted 40 days. Jesus said he expected his followers to fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast. He even told his disciples that some prayers don't get answered unless they are accompanied by fasting. He said this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So if you're feeling a little spiritually lethargic, pastor gave you the answer. Come with us into this season of sacrifice. Fast something and give that time to God. If you're feeling the chains of your old life trying to resurrect themselves over you and you're battling depression and condemnation. You know what you need? You need to put that old man down and you need to let that new man rise. And you can do it by using your own body as a sacrifice to the Lord in a season of fasting. The word fast simply means to abstain, to refrain from, to go without, to deny oneself. Jesus himself said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Fasting turns us from that which would sustain physical life, food, to that which sustains spiritual life. Fasting rubs our flesh the wrong way. But I'm reminded of the words of a pioneer preacher named C.B. Dudley who grew up in New Brunswick and preached in every corner of this province. And he baptized hundreds and hundreds and prayed even more through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Dudley used to say, if it rubs the cat the wrong way, tell the cat to turn around. 
And I join with the elder today and say, if this rubs your flesh the wrong way, that's a clarion call from the Holy Ghost to turn your little self around and say, God, this is irritating me. I'm irritated that pastor calling the whole church to prayer and fasting, and I really don't want to do this. Of course, your flesh doesn't want to do this, but let me reach deep into you because there's a spiritual man. There's a spiritual woman inside of you. And that person, that entity leapt to the challenge when pastor said, we're going to enter 21 days of prayer and fasting. But here's our problem. We've got that spiritual man drowned out by so many voices and so many distractions and so much activity. And we've got a boatload of excuses. I can't fast because of this. I can't fast because I'm that. I can't fast because it hurts. I can't fast because because I get a headache. Everybody gets a headache when you fast. My stomach hurts. Of course it does. I miss my caffeine. Of course you do. Everybody does. You are not unique. Your life is not the greatest drama ever told. We all feel it. Fasting rubs your flesh the wrong way, and it should, because Galatians tells us that your flesh wars against the spirit, and Romans tells us that your carnal mind is an enemy of God, and only one appetite can win. Either the flesh is going to win, and you're going to cave in and give up early, or your spirit's going to win. Not one time has pastor told us that you need to go without all food for 21 days. Not one time has he told us that you shouldn't be careful or you should ignore a medical condition. He's been very cautious and very kind in presenting what we're doing in this 21 days. But I still come back to a statement that my friend evangelist Josh Herring loves to say. Fasting is the sacrifice that heaven rewards the most and hell fears the most and humans hate the most. Why is that? It's because fasting tries to restrain your flesh and release your spirit. Yes, it's because fasting says no to that old man and says, you go sit down. You don't control me today. And it tells the new man, yes. Fasting there's no substitute for it if we want God to move. I know I told you at the beginning. I figure you all be offended at me before I get through. But just in case there's some Holy Ghost left in the room, and I think that there is, I'd like the people of God to lift up your hands and lift your voice right now. I'm not talking about corona praise. I'm so tired of quiet corona praise. I wish you'd lift up your voice because the Lord is speaking to our church in this season of sacrifice. 
The Lord is speaking to godly people. The Lord is speaking to Pentecostals and apostolics that have had quite enough, thank you very much, of all the ordinary and all the lethargy and all the apathy. And we're hungry for God as we enter 2022. We don't want to do this year without him. We don't want to do this year without his presence just hovering over us. We need Jesus in our church. We need Jesus in this service tonight. We need Jesus in this Bible study. We need Jesus in those seats. We need Jesus in every corner of this sanctuary and in every heart that is part of this church. Elders, I want to tell you, I don't believe the days of those lengthy prayer meetings are over. I don't believe that the days of absolute Holy Ghost uncontrolled revival are over. I believe there's a generation that's still hungry, but we got to shake ourselves. We got to tell the old man, no, not right now, and let that spirit man loose to do exploits for God. See, your flesh doesn't want to pray, but the Holy Ghost in you is saying, go pray. Come pray. Let's pray. See, your flesh doesn't want to deal with all your problems. You've got quite comfortable laying there in your situation, but there's something in the spirit that calls to you tonight and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Rise up and worship. Rise up and pray. Rise up and do something for God. Rise up and be free. Rise up and be loose. Rise up and be delivered. If you listen, you can hear the call of the voice of the Spirit. Lift up your voice to match your hands. Lift up your voice to match this moment and pray for a minute. Yes, 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 yes. If you're watching online, yes, we talk in tongues. Don't worry about it. We're not talking to you anyway. I want this church to pray in the spirit for a moment in the middle of this Bible study. It's a season of sacrifice, and God loves sacrifice. He always has, and he always will. He always responds to a genuine sacrifice. Mandolo boche sabarrebocosa in the name of the Lord Jesus in the name of the Lord Jesus shorababocosia sabaha eboche sabaha I heard Wayne Huntley preach a sermon one time and he quoted that scripture that when the spirit of the Lord moved the pillars of the house were shaken and he made this statement and I believe it he said if we can get the pillars of the church those people that know God those people that have saturated their lives in prayer and holiness and godliness and service and faithfulness if we can just get the pillars to move the whole place will be be shaken. If we can get the pillars to move, then the glory of the Lord falls on the church. So I'm calling for some pillars. Some pillars that are older, some pillars that are younger, some pillars that are right in the middle of doing life and raising kids and paying bills, but you have a desire for more than your career. You've got a desire for more than your business or your job. You've got a desire for more than your education. You have a desire for for God and it calls to
to you. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of the water spout. There's a deep call in this room tonight. Ah. Yes? In the name of Jesus, I refuse to let this year be ordinary. I refuse to let this year be average. I refuse to let this year be same old, same old. I refuse it. I release the power of God, and I'm going to use a season of sacrifice to tell God how desperate I am for his presence and his power. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm not asking you to rise to your feet. I'm asking you to rise to the challenge. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm preaching. The old prophet Isaiah when Israel was caught in a bunch of religious ritual, and they did a little fast, but they didn't do them right. And he thunders in Isaiah 58, but he doesn't thunder condemnation. He thunders promise and potential and power. And he tells them about real fasting and what it accomplishes. There's a lot more in this chapter. I don't have time, but let me just give you this and we'll be done. Isaiah tells us that fasting, it brings freedom and it breaks chains. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Fasting, like nothing else, brings freedom and it breaks chains. If you've got bands of wickedness trying to tie you up and drag you like a captive kidnapped from the grace of God back to your old life, you probably need a good fast. If you've got heavy burdens that weigh you down and you're battling all kinds of depression and anxiety, you probably need a fast. If you are oppressed by the enemy and he's been attacking your family and he will not let up, pastor called it right when he called us to fasting. If you want the yokes of the devil to be broken over our church and our city, then it is time for the people of God to have a season of sacrifice and listen to the clarion call from our pastor to enter a season of fasting. 
Isaiah said that fasting provides healing and blessing. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall bring break forth, spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. We need some healing to invade our church congregation. We've got too many people that have been attacked in the weak link of their body, and they've battled chronic pain and sickness and treatments and all kinds of stuff but if the church will go to fasting there is still a great physician there is still a balm in Gilead by his stripes we are still healed in the name of Jesus there's healing in this church if the church will activate it and there's blessing in fasting. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. I could use a little bit of the glory of the Lord to settle down like a thick cloud on every service in this church in 2022. I could use a little bit of the glory of God to hit the worship team. I remember when I was a kid, our worship leader was just singing along one service. We didn't have praise teams back then. We had a song leader. It was just like tonight. One person. It was a lady. She was singing some of the hymns and the courses that we sang that we used to do way back when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, pastor, he felt something on his toe and he looked down and it was her head because she just flaked out in the spirit in the middle of song service. And I remember the glory of the Lord filling that little church with its plywood pews. But I'll tell you what, there's something that wants to break loose in a church like this that has a over 60 years of heritage has elders that have been faithful has elders that have been sacrificial the glory of the Lord wants to rest upon us and if you're hungry for it you need to let Jesus know it not just by some little verbal praise you need to let Jesus know it by saying God look at me I'm desperate for you I'm going to turn away from the table I'm going to turn away from entertainment I'm going to turn to you with my whole heart Oh, if you'd put your voice with that, it would be powerful. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Huh. Isaiah went on to talk to the people that desperately need direction from God and desperately need God's provision. And if that's you, listen to this. Isaiah said, the Lord shall guide thee continually and he'll satisfy your soul even in a time of drought and he'll make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Does that really work? Yes, it does. Jesus said one time, he said to his disciples, I have food to eat that you know not of. That's what happens when you're fasting. The things of this world, they kind of grow strangely dim and the light of God's glory and his grace covers your life. Fasting can give you direction, crystal clear direction. Fasting can bring God's provision into your home and your life and your finances. And finally, Isaiah said this, and we need this. In fact, we've got to have this.
And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Let me tell you what fasting can do. Let me tell you what a season of sacrifice can do. It can rescue a backslider and bring them back to God when the church goes to fasting. It can restore old time power from many generations. It can all accumulate. After all, the word of God says that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. And it also says we're going to receive the latter rain and the former rain together. There's a time of blessing that's hovering over the church. It's just waiting for somebody to enter into a season of sacrifice and say, God, while on everybody else you're calling, while on everybody else you're moving, don't forget me. I'm here and I want it. I'm here and I want you. I'm here and I need it. I'm not too big or too proud or too pedigreed in Pentecost to let the cat out of the bag. I need you, Jesus. I can't make it without you, Jesus. Mm. Kathy, come on back. I'm finished, except I need your voice right now. I need your prayer right now. I need you to ex exercise that hunger and that thirst that is in you. I'm not kind of trying to tweak you or play you or manipulate you. I'm just telling you that God responds to the hunger of his people. God responds to the thirst of his people. God responds to the sacrifice of his people. God responds to the prayers of his people. Ah. Ah, over in this section pastor's already standing pastor brother Calhoun would you stand I just want you guys to lift up your hands and pray in your section brother Scott brother Derek would you stand in this second section and would you just lift up your hands and pray? Brother McNair, Pastor Eric, would you stand and lift up your hands over that section? Brother Roger Inman, Brother Nick, would you stand and just pray over that section? I'm not telling them to pray so you don't have to. I'm just asking them to put a covering over these sections right now. Now, church, it's time. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I can't apologize it's God's word. It's God's plan. Our elders got it. They understood it.
but we've been so distracted that we forget and, and it's, we want something that's a little easier and because everything else in our world is more convenient and we've got drive throughs and credit cards and we've got internet and we've got phones that go everywhere with us because it's so convenient we forget that anything real, anything powerful from God, it's going to take a sacrifice. So would you lift up at least the sacrifice of your lips? Would you at least lift that up? Lift up your voice in the sanctuary. The sacrifice of your lips, giving thanks to his name. Uh, I see some elders, some pillars weeping and praying. I'm so grateful. I see some younger ones weeping and praying. I'm so grateful. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Lest you think I'm being insensitive to elderly people and people with medical conditions, I'm not. Pastors already said it. We believe there are several types of fasts mentioned in Scripture and practiced today. People do a complete fast, a partial fast, a juice fast, a Daniel fast. People even do sometimes a media fast. But church, CCC, our family, please remember this principle. If it does not challenge you, it will not change you. If it's something that's just so easy that it's like skipping breakfast and you do that every day of the week anyway, that's not a fast. That's not a sacrifice. If it does not challenge you, it will not change you. So we're not saying you have to go 21 days with no food and just water. We know there's people that physically couldn't do that. We're not insensitive to that. We're not stupid, but we're hungry. We're thirsty for God. And so even if you haven't done anything, even if you just kind of tuned out pastor on Sunday and pastor Matt on Sunday night, and you just kind of coasted this week, you can pick it up tomorrow. You don't have to do what anybody else is doing. But if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. So pick something that challenges you. Go beyond your daily devotions and pick something that challenges you. Heaven is waiting for your response and hell fears your response. Some person that's near to you they're hoping for your response. And some situation around you requires your response. 
So church, your life and your loved ones, your church and your city, your present and your future will be impacted by your fast. In Acts 13 and 2, the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost began to speak. And the reason there's Gentiles, all of us in the church, is because they listened to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost sent missionaries out to the Gentiles. That was the first century. I would say if there ever was a time or a generation or a century when we needed to sacrifice and to hear God's voice, that would be now. That would be. If you're physically able, I'd like you to stand. If not, you please remain seated. But we're going to go to prayer right now. It is only five minutes after eight. We have lots of time tonight, intentionally so. As one of the pastors of this church, I call this congregation to prayer. Not tomorrow, next week, right now, in the name of Jesus, I call you. I call, deep calls to deep. I call to that spirit being, that spirit man or woman that is in you because of your new birth. And I call to you to lift up your voice right now and pray. If it hasn't begun already, let your season of sacrifice begin right now in the name of Jesus. You don't have to do everything, but you can do something. You don't have to do what somebody else does, but you can do what God prompts you to do. It's critical that you do it. It matters for eternity that you do it. It matters for you that you do it. We got a little bit of Corona praise and Corona prayer going on. It's just a little too soft and a little too muffled. And I'm sorry I get to be the one that stands up here and tells you so. But I'm telling you so. There's something wants to break loose out of you. Your fast affects your family. So if you're standing with your family, would you take one of them by the hand and maybe lift that hand with yours and pray? Because your fast affects your family. God, hear our prayer. Attend unto our cry. See the sacrifice of your people. Behold the fasting of this church and hear us from heaven. Respond from heaven. Touch us from heaven. Deliver us from heaven. Change us from heaven. Revive us from heaven. Bieto la babasho sabaha, sebolo da rababako she saba.